Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. Well, y'all, I'm super happy, excited that you came and joined us this Christmas morning. We had a crazy morning scrambling. I don't know if you saw the carpet went over here. We came here this morning, got started getting ready for worship practice, and I walk in the back, and I just hear, like, Niagara Falls. And I'm like, wait, I'm pretty sure there's not a waterfall in this church. We don't, we don't have a baptismal in this church. So walk in that back room, and water's just gushing out. And so anyways, praise the Lord. You know, it's just crazy, and I don't, I'm not one that likes to just blame the devil for everything. You know, you have Christians that they get a flat tire, and the devil made them get a flat tire, which sometimes stuff like that happens, but I know one thing's for certain. I, I've been astounded. Uh, you know, that song, it's just so beautiful because it really, you, you hear this as a cliche, Jesus is the reason for this season. Amen. Jesus is the reason. Say Jesus. And, you know, I've been astounded because when we decided, like we always decide, you know, and I'm going to tell you this as well, become a, a person of principle. And we as at this church, we're, we're people of principle. We don't cancel service, right? We don't. We didn't shut down during COVID. We didn't shut down during the lockdowns. We're dang sure not going to stop having service on Christmas Day. Are you with me? Uh, and because I know a lot of people say things like, well, we worship with our family at home, and guys, come on, really? Like, you know, I, I would like to say that I love Jesus a whole lot, and I can't remember ever in my mind when we just had a full-blown-out Holy Ghost service on Christmas morning in my house, right? Never, really, I don't remember that. I remember the presents. I remember pancakes. I remember stockings. I remember playing with stuff and hanging out and eating food with family and all that's great, but... Uh, I, you know, Jesus is the reason for this. We're celebrating Jesus. Amen. And, and so anyways, whenever we decided to have church, I was just so shocked. I was like, wait, all these churches are shutting down on Christmas morning. And, and I remember posted something like, if Jesus is the reason for the season, uh, why shut down the church on Christmas morning? And I would not, you would not believe the level of just total Christians coming out just like, you know, foaming at the mouth. How dare you say that? How dare you? You know, and they always take the position. We are the, this is not the church. We are the church. So we can worship anywhere. Yeah, that's the same mindset that shut the church down for 2020 and 2021. Uh, but anyways, I saw something very clearly and I'm tying this together with the pipes busting, but I saw something very clearly. Apparently, <laughs> it's obvious the devil does not want people at church on Christmas morning. He really does not want people at church. And so you are at church. Uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You came this morning. I know lots of our members, they're out traveling, and hopefully they found a good church to go to wherever city they may find themselves in. Uh, it might be hard considering they all shut down, but... Uh, but anyways, you, got, you guys came to church this morning, and, and I'm telling you, this will tie into what I'm about to do in just a moment. But, you know, I believe this. I don't know if you believe this, but th the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. God's a rewarder of diligence. It's impossible to put God first and, and finish last in life. And, you know, it's not, it's not just... Uh, I'm not just talking in terms of just being successful and, and that's what drives everything, but I, I'm being honest with you. When, the, when you read the Bible, it's impossible to be a lover of God, to pursue God, and to live by principle, say by principle. You know, I, the older generation used to understand principles, uh, and it's important. You know, you need to live by biblical principle. This is what we do. This is who we are, and we don't compromise. Amen. And it's impossible to serve God. Those that he says he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after God. Uh, and I believe even you showing up, again, I'm not shaming anybody. I'm really not. But, but I am telling you that over the last few years, you've really seen a weeding out. You've seen 
God dealing with lukewarm Christianity. You see it happening in America. God's dealing with lukewarm Christianity. And, and you, you, you see, so to speak, wheat's being separated from the tares. You know, th- that which is true, that's what, that, that which is genuine, being separated from the false, being separated from, from the lukewarm. And, and anyways, guys, I'm just here to tell you I love you. The fact that you're the Christian that showed up on, on Sunday morning, you know, again, actually saw this post. This was funny. I'm going to read it to you. I know this is super informal, but I saw this. You know we're living in 2022 and we're talking about Facebook posts and stuff. But this was on December 25th. It's an old picture. I wish I had a way to just zap it up on the screen for you. December 25th, 1898. It's a picture, black and white photo of all these people and they're around this little, like they're standing on all the snow and this ice and there's a giant uh, hole cut out. And there's a woman in the water and it says, December 25th. 1898, Grace Allen is baptized by Reverend H. Cosman in the congregation's presence after cutting a hole in a frozen lake. (laughs) And then it says, December 25th, 2022, Christians fight on social media about whether they should go to church on Christmas because it's on a Sunday. It's pretty funny, but... Yeah, that's true, right? And I also thought about it... uh, you know, I'm so glad that you guys are here, but it was brought to my attention, too, that Christmas Christmas on Sunday isn't going to happen again for the next, and I know I'm, you're like, you're preaching to the choir, John, we're here, but Christmas on a Sunday is not going to happen for the next 11 years. You know, my mom put this in perspective. If you don't know, I have a four-year-old, which I know all of you here know this. I have a four-year-old, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old, and I have a, a newborn, and they said my four-year-old would be 15, Oakland, my one-and-a-half-year-old would be 12, and my newborn would be 11 years old the next time that a Christmas falls on a Sunday. And so it's like we have the next 11 years to do the little presents. And, the, you know, what an opportunity to come and worship the Lord on Christmas morning because it's all about Jesus. Amen. It's all about God. As I preached last week, it's all about God answering all things. That's what we're celebrating, that God, he answered everything in Christ. Oh, look, there it is right there. Man, look at the media team. Look at that, baptized in a frozen lake. Y'all, I'm telling you, that's how you know someone's serious when they get baptized in a frozen lake. (laughs) We've baptized people in the wintertime in the horse trough outside, and I always tell them, I'm like, listen, you know, you must be the real deal. You're really really crucifying the flesh right now. I don't think the flesh is coming back even if it wants to after you get into this water. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, I'm telling you guys, seriously, if I can really challenge you with this one thing, don't be intimidated by that religious devil of American Christianity because the devil tries to pressure you that you're an odd breed, that you're an oddball, and that this is just the way that things are. I'm telling you, the rest of the world isn't like that. You know, I'm t- the, the church in Asia, the church in Africa, they would laugh at this thought of we don't, have to, we don't have to go to church. How many of you know we don't need to be at church because I am the church. And, and, and me sitting in my pajamas on my couch is actually me having church. And people have just diminished God's word and, and his instructions in regards, in regards to the established church. Are you with me? You know, the African church doesn't think like that. There's a reason Bishop David Oyedepo's church has a, over a million members. They don't have that thought. So there's something special about this. This is significant. This is instructed by God. Hallelujah. Y'all, and I'm telling you, this is just bleeding into, I'm so excited. I've been praying. Uh, I'm going to give a prophetic kind of some direction for the word uh, for the year 2023 coming up this Saturday. And it's funny, but the Lord already gave me the word for 2023 when I was seeking God for the word for 2022 and 2021. So God gave me the word for 2023 and 2021 when I was preparing for the New Year's service going into 2022. And I've been telling you, I've been like, all right, Lord, all year long, you know, if you want to if you want to add to that or refine that a little bit, and it's just stayed consistent in my spirit, but 
I'm going to tell you, it's so important. Faithfulness, say faithfulness. You're not going to want to miss what God's about to do in the United States of America. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm telling you, there is revival going to sweep through this nation again. We're going to see what generations in the past saw, what we stories that we've heard about. We're going to see it in this day, in this age, in this time. But guys, I'm telling you that, that God, he's going to use the faithful. Say the faithful. The tested by fire. Those that have been faithful with little, even more, he will give. And, and I, if I can encourage you with one thing, become a person of biblical principles. Biblical principles. Say non-negotiable. You know, several things you need to get non-negotiable about. Church, it just needs to become a non-negotiable thing. That I, you know, God instructed Peter, feed the sheep. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that God gave the fivefold ministry for the purpose of, of, of training up the body of Christ for the work of the ministry and edifying and for the edification of the body of Christ. So even me as the pastor, God has actually given me a grace. It's nothing about me. It's not that I'm special or amazing or more important than anybody, but there's just no doubt about how the government of God works. God gave a pastor a grace for the people to feed the sheep, to feed the people, to get something in you. That means that there's things that God has for you that will only ever come through me, according to the Scripture. You know that? I know that that may sound crazy, and as American, people are like, you know, I don't want to hear that. I can get it all on my couch and my pajamas, and it's just absolutely not true. There's things that if you're disconnected from a shepherd and you're disconnected from God's kind of government and establishment, there's, you will never be, receive the impartation that God has for you. And so you need to become a person that's just non-negotiable, that I am dedicated to the things of God. Say devoted themselves. In Acts chapter 2, the early church, look, look what they did. And you, you guys know this. But in Acts chapter 2, after the early church was formed, guys, and can I tell you, the book of Acts is the blueprint for what a Christian should be. Can you say amen? I don't, I don't care. And the more that I see it, Y'all, I am a fighter in my spirit. I'm telling you, like, the fact that I didn't just go nuts on these Facebook posts like last night is, is you should really be like, wow, the Lord is doing a great work in my pastor. Because everything in me just like, oh, my, are you serious right now? Somebody was like, oh, I, that sounds like legalism to me. Uh, I was there once, heart, blessings. And I was like, oh, I was going to reply, oh, that sounds like American Christianity to me. Don't worry, I was there once too, bro. Heart, blessings. Like I was just, oh, my gosh, I just did it, you know. But, but I'm telling you, everything's coming back to this. this I don't, I don't want to be an American Christian. You know, something's beginning to boil in me to begin to go after God like I've never gone after him before. That's in me. I hope that's in you. I, I, I don't know if your mind's already thinking like that, but my mind's already thinking like, how can I go into 2023, Lord, and how can I go where I've never gone before? How can I go to a place that I've never gone before? I want 2023 to be a, a year for me that's marked by an encounter. I don't know when it'll happen. I believe that God will do great works all throughout the year, but I, I just have my faith set that in 2023, when I get to the end and I get into 2024, I'll be able to look back and tell a story of how, God, how I had a, an encounter with God or how I received something so transformative in my life, so instrumental, so just huge, a grace from God that mark my life forever. I believe that I'm receiving that in 2023, and I believe that if you'll set your face and you'll, your, your faith and you'll pursue God in that way, you'll encounter God like you've never encountered him before in this next year. I'm telling you right now, if you draw near to the Lord, he'll draw near to you. I just already see myself being in a place where, I, where I'm standing before the Lord, giving, having given everything. I mean, financially, spiritually, energy, everything. Just laying, laying myself on the altar before the Lord because of the work that needs to be done. Hallelujah. 
And I pray, I pray that you're already beginning to think like that. I, be, I pray that you're beginning to get your, your mind pointed in that direction. I hope that that's in you. I hope that you're at least considering stuff like that. But this is the blueprint of Christianity. It says all the believers devoted. Say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Something we need back in the church is devotion, is principle. The early church operated by principle. That word devoted, it means in the Greek they gave themselves continually over. They gave themselves, they put God first. They sought the kingdom of God above all else. Can I ask you this question? What does it really mean to seek first the kingdom? Everybody can quote that verse. But if we really looked at our lives, are, are you doing that? Am I doing that? Am I seeking the kingdom of God above every single other thing in my life? Is there anything that is above Jesus in my life? Is there anything that's above the kingdom? But they devoted, they gave themselves over continually, constantly. They gave themselves to this, this principle. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Guys, can I tell you something? That if everybody in this room will listen to what I'm saying right now and you'll devote yourself in this way in 2023, this room will double and triple by the end of next year. You know, because we'll be able to move past the point of, of planning revival meetings and wondering who's going to show up and who's not going to show up and, and, and just doing what we can with what we have whenever we can do it. If, if, if we could be a, build a church, even with 20, 30, or 40 people that truly devoted themselves, you would be mind blown of what God would do through this church in the next year. What God would get in, into you, what God would do through you. You'd be mind blown of the glory and the presence of God that would fill this room every single week as we gathered together. Hallelujah. You know, it's again, it's like, why do I come to church? Because I honor God. Why do I come to church when I don't feel like it? Because I honor God. Why do I come to church when it's inconvenient? Because I honor God. Why do I come to church when it's Christmas and, and, and schedule things later? Why? Because I honor God. And I'm going to tell you something. Honoring God is the key to his presence. If a church is filled with people that, that don't have that principle, that don't have that honor, guys, I'm telling you, it's actually stifling to the Holy Spirit. And so they devoted themselves. Say devoted. Devote yourself to the house of God. Devote yourself to, to tithing. Devote yourself to winning souls. This year, I'm telling you, hallelujah. This brings me to Amos chapter 9. This was a word released a few years ago. And I'm telling you, when this word was released, it wasn't just for. I think it was released back in 2020 by, it was evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. The Lord gave him this scripture, and he gave the year. I think it was in 2020, 2021. But it was not just a, a word for that year. I'm t this is, it was like a, a season that we entered into. We're still in this season right here. Amos 9.13. It says, The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. What does that mean? That there will come a time where the harvest will be greater than the workers that are in the field gathering it. There will come a time where there is so much harvest that there's more harvest than there is church churches going after. And in fact, it says... They will grow faster. The grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. There's another principle of this. So two things. Number one, Jesus said the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest that he would send more workers into the field. Everybody's praying for the harvest, but he actually said the harvest is great. 
Guys, in Angelina County, there's a huge harvest to be had. The problem isn't with the harvest. The problem is with the workers. Say the workers. The problem is actually with the church. The problem is with principle. The problem is with faithfulness. You know, don't wait till you feel like winning souls. Guys, I'm going to tell you, if the devil can see that about you, that if he can get you to not be a soul winner just by messing something up, you know, letting you have a bad day, so then you're just not going to win souls, you're not going to... He'll do it every single time. Be a principal soul winner. Why do I win souls? Why, why do I try to preach Jesus to people? Why do I go out of my way even when I don't feel like it? Because of principle. Say principle. So the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And I pray that you would respond to that. This year, the workers. Say, I'm a worker. You know, on, on top of that, one of the great missionaries back in, I think it was, I mean, hundreds of years ago, there was a, a man in England. I just heard about this recently. His name slips my mind. But he began to see as they began to go on ships and map out Asia and map out Africa and map out different places around the world, you know, the English people, they saw all the rest of the world as uncivilized savages. And the church of that time had this mindset of if God wants them saved, we should pray. And, and God, if he wants them saved, he'll save them. But we, we shouldn't spend our time trying to reach those uncivilized savages. We need to focus on the people of this nation. We need to focus on the church in Europe, the church in England. And this man rose up and said that if there is not action behind your prayer, then there, it's not a serious prayer. Think about that. You know, think about we pray. Here's here's my whole point, that God is provoking us to action. What if we came in here, which we do every single Sunday night, and we pray. We pray for Angelina. We pray for revival. We pray for souls to be saved. We pray for the Spirit of God. Anybody like me want to see the Spirit of God move in my time, in our day and age? Anybody here want to see revival again like they saw in Brownsville, like they saw in Azuzu? like they saw at Pentecost. Do you want to see that type of move of God? Anybody want to see the God of the Bible and not just religion and not just modern little Christianity, but see the God of signs, wonders, and miracles? Hallelujah. Say, that's me if that's you. We pray for all of those things, but think, what is God's solution to that prayer? It's sending, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest that he would what? Send workers into the field. We can't just pray for the harvest and, 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 and just, okay, well, God's going to sovereignly do it. We have to put action behind it. We have to, to make a plan to, to come behind and not only pray the prayer, but be the answer to that prayer. Because how is God going to answer that prayer? He's going to... Look around and look for somebody to say, here I am, Lord, send me, and then he'll use them to answer that prayer. Are you with me? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. So, the time will come where he said, the grain and the grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. So that means there's such a harvest, not enough workers. But the number two, say accelerated harvest. Accelerated. What does that mean? That, that what the Bible is actually saying is the, gra- the grapes are growing at an accelerated speed. Why was there not enough harvesters? Probably because it was a huge harvest. Just like Isaac went out and sowed seed and he reaped a hundred times what he sowed. It was a massive harvest. It was an unexpected harvest, but I'm telling you, it was accelerated. I think the picture here is they, they, you know, they knew agriculture. They knew when they sowed seed about how long it would take, how many workers they would need. You got a field that's this large. This is how many workers we'll need. This is how long it'll take. This is how many hours a day that we need to work. And all, all of a sudden, that harvest comes, and it's coming faster. It's growing quicker than they anticipated. It was an accelerated harvest. Say Acceleration. Everything that God's doing in this season, I'm telling you, not just with churches, with individuals, he will accelerate everything in your life. Think about the first miracle Jesus ever did. He turned water into wine. 
That was an accelerated miracle. You know, if you even think how long wine, it takes years and years and years to make wine. Are you with me? Wine's not something you can't just crush grapes, pour it in a glass, and there you have wine. It takes fermentation. It takes many, many years. And it wasn't just cheap little new wine. It was the purest, choicest wine. That means it was finely aged wine. And Jesus turned water into wine. What does that mean? He, he, t- he made something that should have taken 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. He made it happen instantaneously. And the Bible says the time is coming. I believe that we're in that time right now. I believe that God in these last days is taking things that should take 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and he's just going to start doing it instantaneously in one calendar year. I believe that. With all of my heart. And I'll tell you why, if I can. No, it's kind of off the cuff, but mom, come up, come up. I want you to share your dreams. I want you to share your testimony. Listen to this. Y'all give her a round of applause this morning. Hallelujah. Share this dream you had on vacation. Just take about five minutes and, and share it. All right, I, I've been praying for um, another prophetic dream. It's been a couple of years since I had one, and anyway, we were on vacation, and all of a sudden, I had one. So um, in my dream, uh, I met my, uh, me and Mike are at home. I don't know what home it was. I wasn't at home, but we were, uh, tons of people were there. We had a great big party, but it was nobody I knew. It wasn't family. It wasn't church friends. It wasn't anybody I knew. Just a house full of people. Well, we went outside, and as we looked up, the, the clouds began swirling, and we're like, huh, what's going on here? And it wasn't like tornado weather. It was just, you know, swirling. And all of a sudden, out of the clouds comes the great big, like, Noah's Ark. Huge. And I'm standing there like, am I the only one seeing this? I'm nudging Mike. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? And it's coming out. And first it was, like, broken into two, and then it connects, and it starts descending. And as it's descending, it's just, you know, kind of turning this way and turning this way. Anyway, it just keeps on coming down, and we're just like... And the first thought I had was, the Lord's coming to get us in the ark, you know. Oh, my gosh, Jesus is coming back. He's bringing the ark. It's huge. He's coming to get us in the ark. That was the first thought I had. Well, anyway, it kept descending and descending and descending. And right probably a couple hundred feet before it it touched the ground, poof, it just disappeared. And as we looked around, everybody else in the house disappeared but us. So immediately I'm like, Oh, my gosh, the rapture just happened, and we didn't go. You know, that's the first thoughts I had. Oh, my gosh, we didn't go. Me and Mike are standing there. So I start calling my family members. I call my mom and Joe, can't get a hold of them. Call John and Carissa, can't get a hold of them. Call my daughter, you know, Kelsey and Tyler, can't get a hold of them. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. Anyway, finally got hold of my mom. She said, yeah, we were outside. We saw the whole thing, too. We were amazed. We didn't know what was going on. Finally got a hold of Kelsey and Tyler, same thing, you know. We, they were at some event, they saw it happening, and we were like, well, we can't get a hold of John and Carissa. Oh, my gosh, did they go and we all stayed? You know, we finally got a hold of them. They said the same thing. But anyway, long story short, um, the Lord just showed me that that was a symbolism, that that ark was a symbolism coming back, of him coming back. And he said, I want you to know that I know that you all know that I'm coming back. And I know, you know, everybody's said it for years, it's coming soon. He said, but y'all, y'all have been dawdling. And he said, you don't understand how soon I'm coming back. And this was just, a, this was just a, a, you know, to show you that make sure you're ready because it can happen in an instant. You look around, you know, your loved ones are gone and you're, you're left behind. Make sure you're ready. Make sure your loved ones are ready. And get ready because you've been dawdling and it's time to get serious. It's no time to wait. So. Right. And, you know, and that's the thing is that... Uh, we obviously don't just put a bunch of stock in, in dreams, but even in the Bible, there was people that, even though the Bible says no man knows the hour or the day, the angels don't know, Jesus doesn't know, he said only the Father knows. But you know that when Jesus came, talks about this in the birth story of Jesus, that there was a woman in the temple when they brought him to be circumcised on the eighth day, she came up and began to prophesy, uh, and there was also another man that did the same thing, and the Lord had revealed to them that they would not die before they saw the promised Messiah. Amen. And so 
I believe that in these last days, God's giving dreams like that. God's giving warnings like that to the church. And so the reason I wanted her to share that with you is because of this accelerated harvest. There's an acceleration. We're living in a time where there's so much to do. And there's really two points to this. Number one, I know this is kind of off the cuff here, but this is Matthew 25, 13, one verse that says, so you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. We must keep watch. We don't know the day or the hour. We need to be ready. It says in Matthew chapter 24, you must be ready all the time. So two questions. Number one, are you personally ready? Are you personally ready? Guys, I'm telling you, even being in the ministry, there's times that I have to go to the Lord and, and literally pour my heart out to him and say, Lord, you know, I've allowed indifference in my heart. I've allowed some form of lethargy in my heart. I've noticed my, I've noticed my time in your word. It, it grows more cold, and I get so consumed, and I get so busy. And you have to recognize those things and then begin to pray prayers like, Lord, touch me again with your spirit. Lord, give me a fresh grace. I want to run with fire. I want, I want a fresh touch. I want you to just refill my oil. Why do you do things like that? To make sure that you're ready. Say ready. You can't allow yourself to get lukewarm, which it all ties into. Why are Christians arguing over whether or not we should go to church on Sunday morning when Christmas falls on this day? It's, it's lukewarm Christianity. Everything else is always way more important. Reading one little book out of the Bible for five minutes and then hanging out with your family is more important than coming together and worshiping the Lord. It's just the principle of it. It's lukewarm Christianity. And Jesus said, you cannot be, I, I would rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. So you have to make sure that you're ready. And then number two, this accelerated harvest. Y'all, I'm telling you, there's so much to be done. There's a revival that God has spoken over this nation. There's a, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, says the Lord. The Bible says that the, the glory of the latter rain shall be more glorious than that of the former. Amen. There's so much work to be done. And in these last days, what are you going to see? God coming behind the faithful and accelerating things that should have taken 30 years. Are you guys listening to me? Churches that should have taken 30 years to build, God's going to just start doing it so accelerated. You know how God accelerates church growth? Through revival. He breathes on a church and something and then what happens? Hundreds of people start getting saved. Addiction starts breaking. People start coming in off the street. The, the church gets revived and starts winning souls and starts being the hands and feet of Jesus. And he makes 5, 10, 15 years worth of growth happen in one calendar year. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm telling you, God's doing that with churches. God's doing that with this church. God's going to do it with you. And I want to get into, not this morning, come Saturday, because I'm going to share with you why I believe this next year is going to be significant. This next year is going to be our fourth year as a church. It's the beginning of our fourth year. Did you know that in the Bible, and I'll share a little tidbit with you, but under the Levitical law, did you know that the first three years that a fruit tree was planted, they were not allowed to harvest fruit from that tree? Not allowed. They, they, it wasn't just like that it wouldn't produce, they, but they were not allowed to harvest fruit from the tree for the first three years. You know what the first three years were? Pruning. They would clip all the buds, and they would prune it the first year, prune it the second year, prune it the third year, and by the fourth year, guess what the fourth year was? It was the first year of harvest. The fourth year was the first year of harvest. And also, the first year of harvest, you know what that was? The year of first fruits. They'd take the whole thing and give it as an offering to the Lord. And then the first year, the fifth year was the first year that they actually begin to consume their harvest. And I'm telling you guys something. I don't believe in a season of waiting, but I'm telling you, the Bible said those that are faithful with little, even more will be given. We are transitioning out of a season, out, if you will, of, of being tested, of, of being pushed, of being pressured, and we've stayed faithful. We've stayed the course. We've, we've lived by the principle of God's word, and we're beginning in our fourth year as a church, and I'm telling you, it's the year of harvest, and that doesn't just deal with this church. It deals with you. 
Because you know how God brings harvest to the church? Through the Christian. The Bible talks about how the, as they begin, in Second Chronicles, they begin to bring their tithe and it began to form heaps in the house of God. Where did the heaps come from? Say the people. Who's the people? Say you. So if God's accelerating the harvest of this church, what does that mean? God's accelerating your personal harvest. God's accelerating you. God's opening up things for you, opening opportunities for you, opening up doors for you. Things that you've sowed, things that you've weeped over, things that you've been faithful, and you're like, uh, how come I've been, I've been going and going and doing all these things? But that's where the Bible says, do not grow weary in well-doing, for you shall reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. And I'm telling you this. I'm not just saying this to get you excited. Some of you, you've been in that season of doing good, doing good, doing good, and I'm telling you, you're about to step into the season of reaping the harvest of blessing for the good that you've been doing. Hallelujah. I'm prophesying it this morning. None of this was planned. All of this right now is by the Spirit of God, and I pray that you recognize and receive. Just set your faith to receive what I'm telling you, because this next year, you shall begin to reap for the good that you've sown. And some of you that are joining, you may say, well, I haven't been here for three years. That means I get left behind. No, Jesus taught in the parable. There was some that he hired in the morning. There was some he hired at noon. There was some he hired at 3 o'clock. There was some that he hired at 5 o'clock. And guess what? At the end of the day, they all got the same pay. Hallelujah. So just by association, you're going to reap. You're going to receive. You're going, you're going to see God accelerate you because you've tied yourself into covenant with what God's doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. And I felt that so strong in my spirit on this Christmas morning, talking to a crowd that you, you left the presence, you left the family, whatever you had to do, you came to church. It's amazing. Be, we continue to be a Christian of principle. And so, all I can tell you as well, I'm going to take up the tithes and offerings, and I wanted to share all this as I did that, <clears throat> because it's so important to stay faithful. I want you to say, stay faithful. It's important to stay uncompromised. Even, I know there's so many people that they hate that People take time to teach on the tithe and the offering, but I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's God's only way of getting prosperity to you. He instituted the tithe and the offering, give, in the way that it works in the kingdom. You guys understand, this is a kingdom law. Just like, can anybody fly? Anybody fly in this room? Can anybody jump and just begin to fly through the sky? And No, you can't. Why? Because there's laws that, that govern this physical world that we live in. If I pick up this Bible and I drop and I let go, what happens? It falls. Why does it fall? Because of a law called gravity. Which I know people are like, well, gravity doesn't exist. But anyways, it, it doesn't matter. Listen, the law. I'm talking about the law, okay? Just say the laws. There's laws that govern this physical world that we live in. There's laws that govern the spiritual realm. And that law is the law of sowing and reaping. And so, several things about your seed. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you have to understand this. Because really, every one of you are faithful people. I'm not, I'm not really sitting here trying to push something trying to convince you. I'm trying to encourage you because ultimately what I really felt in my spirit is the devil's going to try to test you. You understand that? There's always going to be something that tries to come up to get you to compromise faithfulness. There's always, like, again, and he's just looking. If he can find that you're a person that compromises when pressure is put on you, you better just expect it because he'll know all I have to do to get them to do what I want them to do is just push this little thing right here and they'll they'll dance like a like a monkey with symbols but he says a farmer who plants only a few seeds will what get a what crop 
a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get what? A generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Tie that together with what Jesus said, and we'll come back in Luke 6, 38. Give and you shall receive your gift will return to you, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more running over, poured into your lap. Look at this last line. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. So according to the Bible, say the Bible, what determines what you receive from the Lord? Is it God's will determines it? The amount that you receive will be determined by my will for your life. Is that what he said? The, 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 the amount that you receive will be determined by my willingness to bless you or not bless you. Is that what it says? The amount that you give, Jesus said, will determine what you get back. And then that's exactly what Paul said. If you sow small seed, if you sow few seed, guess what? What you receive will always be in proportion to what you give. You have to learn this principle. I don't understand. People here, even me, preach this for years, and it comes around to doing tithes and offerings, and they'll sit back and do nothing, and then they're always in need. And it's like there's no other way to get around it. You can't get around it. If, if you give nothing according to the word of God, what does the Bible guarantee? You'll receive nothing. Say nothing. If you give nothing, you'll receive nothing. The amount that you give will determine what you receive back from the Lord. Hallelujah. And then so you have to understand that the kingdom operates on the law of seed time and harvest. The kingdom operates on the law of faithfulness. Those who are faithful with what little they're given, even more will be given. So what also, what does that tell you? It's impossible to receive more from God if you're not faithful with what he's already given you. How can you be faithful with what God's given you? Just do what he said to do in his word. 10%, say 10%, of everything that comes into this hand will go to the Lord, uncompromised, no questions, by principle, according to the word of God. Hallelujah. And I know you get Christians that are like, well, I'll pay all my bills and then I'll give 10%. Listen, live by this principle. Say principle again. Stop trying to give God your crumbs and your pennies. The, the reason the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, give God your first fruits. That means you don't spend and give God what's left. You give to God first off of the increase that he puts in your hand. Hallelujah. Say first. And I'm trying to get this in an American church and a generation that literally wants to live so lethargic and think that we're going to see a move of God. Put God first. He deserves my best. Amen. Bring your best to the Lord. Put your best into the kingdom. And I promise you, seek first the kingdom of heaven above all other things, and he will give you everything else that you need. Hallelujah. And so the reason I'm telling you that is because it's so critical for the time where it, again, I can sit here and preach accelerated harvest, and you can listen to that and shout amen and get excited, and then guess what? You give nothing, and you'll receive nothing. This word won't work for you, and it won't apply to you. It will only apply to those that are faithful with the word of God. If you haven't been faithful, that's fine. You can start today because his mercies are new every single day. You're, well, I've missed it. Well, thank God we serve a gracious, merciful God who will forgive you, clean the slate, and say today's a new day. Start right now. Hallelujah. 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 Y'all, I'm telling you, a church, which we don't have to do this, but I was thinking this earlier. You know how more efficient churches could be if they didn't have to walk around and fundraise from the people? Which we don't do that, but a lot of churches do. A lot of churches, every, they plan, like, a few times a year, they'll do a special thing. And you'll actually, a lot of churches, you'll see this as well. They won't take up offerings frequently. 
And they, they know that there's kind of a core group that grew up in the old way, that have a lot of money they'll give. But a few times a year, they'll structure special services where they'll do a special offering, and they'll budget their whole thing around the special incomes that comes from that. It's ultimately, what is it? It's just planning, and it's just fundraising. And then what, you really have a church just always behind and never ahead because it's just has, having to fundraise for everything. Hallelujah. But can you imagine if every single person that called themselves a Christian would faithfully tithe and give to their church? Imagine what you could do for the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, everything's multiplied. This last, uh, this last couple weeks, I guess, I've been gone for a week, we went out and um, we did an outreach in Lufkin. You got any of those pictures? Do we have any of those available? Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Yep. Check out some of these pictures. You don't happen to have the video, do you? No? Okay, that's all right. We'll get there, y'all. But put those pictures back up just for a moment. We ended up probably spending close to two grand on this outreach, but that was blessing people. But we had over 100 people show up that heard the gospel. Is that amazing? You know, I was calculating it out. I know our soul goal is 100, but I think between the last two months combined, we're close to 100 souls out of this church in the last two months. That's exciting to me. And everything's just going to be accelerated. Everything's going to be multiplied. This isn't going to be happening less and less. This is going to be happening more and more and more and more and more and more. Say, and more. And, and, you know, we can live in a false reality but the, the reality is, is it takes money to do these things. Can you say amen? And again, stop being somebody that's always waiting. I, I'm going to tell you two things, two more principles to live by. Number one, stop being a Christian that is waiting for somebody else to be the answer to the prayer. If God's given it to you, he expects it from you. Hallelujah. If God has given it to you, you are the answer to that prayer. Don't make God fly it in on the ravens. He's not wanting to use the ravens. He's wanting to use you. Say me. Say me. Yeah, I, I, I'm just telling you, why have we been doing these outreaches? Why have we been doing that? Because we've realized we're not praying for souls to be just saved in Angelina County. We've realized we are God's solution in this community. What if a Christian rose up and said that and said, I am my church's, I am my church's financial solution? What if a Christian said that? Can you imagine if somebody actually said that instead of, well, you know, I'm just saying, think about this. Like we had all this stuff. We're going to gut all of this out because the pipes exploded. And and you know what the average Christian will say? Y'all pray for Revival House over there. They had some pipes bust this morning. Pray for them. Keep them in prayer. Amen. What if somebody rose up and said, you know what? I'm not going to keep them in prayer. I am the answer to the prayer. I am the solution. Hallelujah. Oh, we want to do more outreach? Man, we want to book downtown Lufkin, and we need ten grand to, to get a stage and do a huge event right in the middle of the city and preach the gospel to a couple thousand people? We don't need to keep it in prayer. What if you said, I am the answer to that prayer? I am the financial solution our media team doing a great job it's wonderful y'all even those food boxes though you know in the past we've there's different programs you can go and they'll help you with this and they'll give you a few things and and in the past we did that and we always got expired food it was like cans that were going out stuff that was going out and it was and people's mentality was well these people if they're really hungry they won't complain right they'll just be grateful and I'm, it, that always rubbed me the wrong way. So I said, you know what? Forget about it. We're not going to take a loan or a grant or whatever. We'll just go to Walmart and we'll just buy everything ourselves and just pay cash for it all. Amen. And so, you know, we were able to hand out 30 food boxes. I think they, they had seven baskets full of groceries. Had anybody went to Walmart and uh, you've bought like an apple and a banana and a carton of eggs and you go to the register and they're like, that'll be $75. And <laughs> Pickles. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So just imagine seven baskets overflowing. But that's the God that we serve. How can we go out and preach to people about Jesus Christ and, and then literally giving them expired food? 
and preach them about El Shaddai and Jehovah Jireh and this God that, that Jesus, that, this God that wants life and life abundantly for them. Yeah, that's right. Our God's first, and he's not in short supply. And he doesn't give, you know, even the first miracle. Jesus didn't just, he didn't only multiply the, turn the water into wine. He gave them the best, say the best. What does that tell you about God? He, he doesn't give people scraps. He gives people his best. You know, the Bible says in John three sixteen that God so loved the world, he gave his what? His son? Is that what it says? No, his only son. You know, in that culture, uh, that was actually significant to these people because in that culture, you're, uh, having a son was everything. You ever read the Bible while like one of the men of the Bible would have like 45 daughters and he's still trying to have children? He's crying out to the Lord, why have you forsaken me and not giving me an heir to my throne? And it, Because a son was everything. And so God didn't have 50 sons and he gave you one. He gave his one and only son. And so the picture that the Bible is actually painting is his son was the most valuable thing that he had to give. He gave his absolute best to us. God gave the best that he had to give. He gave it to us. He sacrificed it for us. And then, again, you have this culture of Christianity that says, Lord, you gave me your absolute best while I was still a sinner, and then we're going to walk around giving you our scraps and think, well, his mercy and grace and love covers all. No. What an honor it is to give an offering to the Lord. The best of, let all that I am praise the Lord. Let the best of what I am praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all take about five seconds Christmas morning and just give God praise for a minute. Come on. Hallelujah. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.